welcome to our first ever Try Fork and Go To live panel discussion. My name is Lani, and I'll be your host. As part of the collaborative initiative, Try Fork and Go To have organized today's live panel discussion on the topic of COVID 19 and the new normal for tech. The live panel discussion will be moderated by none other than James Lewis himself. James is an internationally recognized expert on software architecture and design and on its intersection with organizational design and lean product development. He is also director at ThoughtWorks, where he has for the past 15 years been a part of ThoughtWorks' journey and its ongoing mission for delivering technical excellence for its clients and amplifying positive social change for an equitable future. Today's live panel discussion has been brought to, has brought together decision makers from various companies representing the software development and travel technology industries. Now, without any further ado, I'll hand over to you, our very capable moderator for today's live panel discussion, James Lewis. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome. Thanks very much for coming. I'm delighted to have been asked to host this session. Um, I've been a long time supporter of the GoTo conferences going back to before they were actually GoTo when they were known as Yaru. So I've been I've been around these events for quite a long time. As I say, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, you've heard all about me. So I'm going to ask uh, maybe Nicola to introduce himself first. Hello, all. Uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Nicola. I'm currently uh, head of engineering in a small company in, uh, based in Amsterdam uh, called Relay42. I am uh, head of engineering, which means I'm responsible for the technical output about 35 uh, engineers. What is interesting for us is that uh, we've been handling a huge amount of data. So for us, SRE is a big concern. Our systems are handling such amount of data that even a couple of seconds of not availability and you, you have a big problem. And uh, I am very interested, you know, in how other uh, top leaders are handling the COVID pandemic and how they are uh, scaling their teams, how they're handling operational tasks and also how they're people, uh, keeping people happy. So, yeah, I've been with the company for seven years uh, and I really enjoy what I do. I guess that's for me. And I think in the best tradition uh, is for me to uh, pick the next person. Uh, so maybe, Matteo, you can introduce yourself. Hi. Thanks, Nicola. Yeah, my name is Matteo. I want to thank you again, uh, Koto, for having me here. I'm a senior engineering manager at Booking.com. I joined the company two years ago, you know, after a journey of two years in Tokyo, Japan. Before, I've been working uh, in the industry always as a manager, software developer, test engineer for around 14 years. My background is applied mathematics, and you know I don't want to take more time to talk about myself. I'll let Marcel to go on and introduce himself. <laughs> okay, thank you, Matteo. So I work for Trifor. I'm a chief commercial officer of the Amsterdam branch. I haven't been with Trifor for very long, to be honest. Only two months uh, now. I have been working in the software and IT consulting industry for over 20 years, uh, mainly on the customer-facing uh, side. So uh, usually in sort of a commercial role as well, uh, but I have witnessed well, quite some changes, I think, in the in society in general due to uh, tech, and that's what we're going to talk about here. Enough for me. Uh, I think, Pavel, you're the last one to do introduce yourself. Yes, uh, my name is Pavel, and I'm director of engineering at Magnitudes. I'm um, in charge of the people, technologies, and processes, and we develop software that provides uh, quite some insights to our customers who have uh, SAP systems to collect all the data from their supply chain, and we process this data and provide them valuable insights. Still new to this company, seven months uh, since I started, and uh, well, seven months is on the one hand side completely not new to the company, but at the same time, in order to be able to show something and, and provide uh, long-lasting change, this is just uh, the beginning. 
yeah, I think that's it. Uh, James, back to you. Thanks very much. So I think this is the point where I'm supposed to do some kind of introduction. So uh, I don't have any slides, you'll be pleased to know. Um, instead, I'm going to offer you a few of my observations um, as, as to where we are. So obviously the topic today is the new no the new normal for technology companies um, post the COVID pandemic. You know, hopefully we're coming to some form of, of end of that, in, in, hopefully in 2021. Certainly we're seeing good signs in the UK. Uh, for that. Um, but of course, it's been a really strange year. I think pretty much everyone will agree for, for everyone. And some of the things I'm kind of interested in is, you know, but I've got two hats on here. I've got the, the facilitator hat, but I've also got my, you know, operational uh, you know, ThoughtWorks hat. You know, ThoughtWorks is a professional services company. We're used to being on site with our clients most of the time. So it's been a, a huge shift for us um, moving away from that model and moving towards working from home um, the entire time. Um, I guess one thing I'm particularly in interested in from an intellectual perspective, um, and we've got a, a mathematician on the call, so that's, that's awesome, um, is this idea of complexity and complex adaptive systems. I've been doing a lot of talks about what makes effective companies and how are they organized. And in some ways, they're organized the same way as, as cities. So cities thrive when they have these social networks that are connecting people. Um, that's really where you get these, the benefits of, of things like higher innovation in cities and wage growth and all these interesting things. And it's the same in, in effective organizations. If you look at the sort of the Amazons of the world, they're, they're organized in loosely connected networks. So I'm, inter I'm interested from an intellectual perspective. If we don't have this ability to connect anymore, both in terms of our social lives uh, and also in terms of our professional lives, you know, what sort of impact is that going to have on us? going forwards and some, some of the things I've been thinking about and talking about internally are these sort of almost like an, um, similar, a similar idea to techno technical debt in software development. But this idea of sort of cultural debt that we're building up, how do we create, how do we keep our cultures going in our organizations and also intellectual debt, you know, in knowledge work, how do we ensure that we're still sharing, you know, we're, we're, we're growing people um, and we're making sure people people have a have, a, have, an, have an interesting intellectual home as well. So um, th those are sort of some of my um, observations at, at the moment. But I think you don't really want to hear what I'm going to say. We've got some great brains here, so um, I'm going to hand over uh, with the first question to the panel. Nicola, if I could ask you first, uh, how has the pandemic, and in particular, I guess working from home, um, affected uh, your and your team's performance, or has it at all? I would say that it definitely has affected us. Uh, but you should also know a bit of context about Relay, is that we, since even before the pandemic, we were very open to remote work. So we don't have exact statistics because back then nobody was counting. But even before the pandemic, uh, most of our engineers were spending at least one or two days a week uh, of the working week uh, away uh, from, from the office. So we were prepared in terms of tooling, uh, I would say, in terms of you know uh, practices that we are following, uh, in terms of, you know, stand-ups being inclusive also for people outside of the office, uh, you know, with just a screen and people are just appearing on the screen. That didn't, like, the rhythm of work didn't change so much. But what did change is indeed the things that you, on, on which you want to, uh, to, to put emphasis on, the, the things that are important for, for you uh, as, a, as a manager, are becoming slightly different. Because before, most of the people are in the office and you are trying to cater, you know, for the people that are outside of the office by... Hey guys, uh, can we please have some knowledge base here or uh, summarize your discussions after you are uh, finished so the person who's not there can also uh, take, a, uh, take a better look uh, and uh, retroactively check. And right now, this has become one of the most important things. You know, in, in the past, you are just emphasizing it. But right now, this async way of communication has become super, super important. 
especially uh, since we're having also our first onboarders. The first time when we are uh, onboarding somebody uh, remotely happened during the COVID pandemic. And it actually, to, to be honest, showed us that we were not that good that we thought of. You know, we were like, oh, yeah, we are very good at remote. No, you're not, uh, because now you have people from different, you know, uh, places of the world just for the first time seeing your code base or your, like, anything, like even getting to know your company. And we just realized how much of implicit uh, implicit understanding is there just being in the office, just seeing what other people are doing. So it's really important for us that we continue, you know, uh, emphasizing on the, uh, the communication. And also we have to put uh, a lot more into uh, people just feeling part, like, uh, this is all about operational concerns. But... Right now, as a manager, you also have other concerns. You know, people are feeling burnout. Uh, people are feeling disconnected, disengaged. So it's it's just, uh, for, for us, it's just put an emphasis on different things. We always had the same things, but now it turned it around. So that's more or less my initial view. That's great. Thank you. Um, how about yourself, Matteo? Well, how have you sort of been affected? Yeah, so for us, uh, I would say performance-wise, we didn't have any negative consequence. I have to say that, you know... <laughs> More casually, but in 2019, we started a transformational journey uh, cultural-wise within my track, which helped, track is the jargon that we use for my organization booking. So that helped us quite a lot to prepare for uh, the pandemic. But at the time, of course, we didn't know that we would have had, uh, you know, this, uh, this situation in 2020 and 2021. I hope that's it. What we did in 2019 was to uh, really focus much more on offline uh, communication, uh, delegation of tasks, transparency, over-communication, and much more accountability at team and individual level. So once we moved from an in-office to a remote work, we kept, of course, all these things because those were part of our culture as we have established it in 2019. What we had to change was uh, rituals, especially the overcome part, over-communication is something that we paid a lot of attention on. And rituals, I would say, we started introducing some something that would have replaced the casual chat that we would have had in the office around a coffee space, for instance. So... We have teams that are doing their coffee team uh, hour, or we're having what we call a close of the week, which is like uh, an organizational stand-up where we keep everybody aligned on what is happening within my various teams. And then we were very explicit about flexibility of working hours. So something that uh, we mentioned even before going to work from home was make sure that you know that once you are at home, you will have plenty of distractions. And especially, for instance, if you have kids, uh, you need to dedicate time to kids. So be very much transparent with the team about that. Be uh, explicit and, you know, be flexible with your working hours. So expecting, a, let's say, nine to five working shift was less realistic. We accept it, we embrace it, and we take adjustment. We make adjustment to, you know, make sure that we can still deliver. All this worked really well. So overall, I think despite, uh, you know, the routine that we are seeing, delivery-wise and mental health-wise, I think we've been in a pretty good spot so far. So it's really interesting, isn't it? There's, there's, I think there's some stats coming out now about things like you know, things like carers leaving the workforce, and of course, carers are you know, overwhelmingly women generally. You know, so there's this real worry about you know even more bias creeping into our workforces. It's a really interesting point. You know, how do we how do we manage that? How do we cope with that? How do we how do we balance for that? You know. Um, and I think that, that we had the same experience at ThoughtWorks where we're really introducing flexibility around timing, you know, um, and times you could work has, has helped. It, it doesn't solve the problem, obviously. But, uh, Pavel, I mean, 
you mentioned at the start you're quite new and um, obviously Matera mentioned onboarding. This is like an interesting, you've obviously, this is like the sharp end for you, right? So I mean, obviously there's the question about um, how's the pandemic affected the, you and the team, but also you must have got a very personal perspective on that having, having joined during the pandemic. Yes, yes, this was indeed quite uh, a tough experience, I must say, getting uh, onboarded and also getting to know everyone. Uh, it's close to impossible remotely. And even now, okay, I know everyone in my department, a lot of people from engineering from other departments. I know the leads uh, of uh, some other teams, but I have no clue who are the people who are working in the rest of the teams. And there is close to zero chance to get to know them unless I catch them all accidentally in the office. But it is also impossible as a part of a global organization anyway. So you don't have an opportunity to, to get to know other people. So to me, I, I can compare here a bit to two organizations. So one organization that, that I left in the middle of the last year, and that organization I, I've configured uh, to work as a distributed team setup. We had uh, engineers in five locations. And essentially, when uh, COVID lockdown started, not a lot uh, was changed then. We had already distributed setup where everyone knew how to work remotely and I don't think there was any impact on performance, on particular team performance. Of course, you don't come to, to the office and don't see your colleagues. And it was completely different at my current workplace where all the teams were co-located. And this was a major blow, obviously, when uh, a team started to work from home because then suddenly you don't know how to communicate to your colleagues remotely. You just have no skill organizational personally how to do that and this was a major change luckily or unluckily i missed it because well i joined in august uh, so when i joined all i well the, the teams already knew how to do some of the things i put some additional steps uh, to mix the, the teams so they're not collocated and completely excluded but i believe only now we can uh, catch up the performance that the teams had uh, before one year ago when they were working in one office location so it is really, really um, big effect, I must say. How about yourself, also? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so I've only been with Firefox for two months, so my onboarding was also like completely virtual. We do keep our office open and we keep it at like 10 to 15% maximum usage that we normally use it for. So it, it is possible some of the, the conversation I, I had that was in the office. But before I joined Trifor, for instance, I was working for a more international uh, firm. Well, basically, I used to fly every week. And since like the half of March last year, then it just suddenly stopped. And uh, you, you, you started uh, using um, things like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. And I imagine that the need for flying internationally just for business-related uh, business meetings is going to be so much less. I mean, at least... If I look at myself, it's necessary to meet people in person, uh, but not so often as uh, as we used to. I think so. It's going to be uh, the mix is going to be different, which hopefully uh, does have a, a positive impact on the on the climate as well. But now that we've been a year in lockdown situations and working from home, I meet more and more people that are getting really fed up with only sitting behind the webcam all day. So today, for instance, I, I had a, a walking meeting with a customer. So uh, we um, we met up in the village where I live, basically. 
and we just had a walk for like 45 minutes, uh, of course, keeping the social distancing, etc. Uh, and that's really nice. It's just a very nice way to still meet. Yeah, and hopefully we can um, start behaving again soon like, like we're used to. I think we all need it. It's super interesting. Like, I, I never thought I'd miss airports. I don't really miss them, to be honest. I mean, it's, um, especially if you already know people, then it's, it's, it's just as good meeting them online. And maybe like once every three or six months, it's good to meet in person and have a coffee together or a beer or, or lunch or dinner or whatever. But for the rest, I think it's fine. Just to make an observation before we move on to the next question, maybe. But one of the things you said was around not traveling so much. Well, we had a, we had a global workshop last two weeks ago to put together the next issue of our technology radar. Um, that's like 20 people all around the world, you know, we're a globally distributed organization. And there's, you know, we got some, we got, we've got good content, you know, to, to publish, but there was no getting around the fact that time zones are a thing. Yeah. You know, time zones exist. And when you're asking people, you know, in Australia, essentially for a week to work a night shift, you know, to, to participate in workshops and you're asking, you know, folks in the West Coast of the US to be up at two, three o'clock in the morning. To contribute you know it's, it's really really tough on people so i, I totally get you know I, th- I agree i think with the you know moving away from the default being to go in person but i think i wonder what what, what the panel think actually is is that sort of thing you think ending or or is there some need for for that travel in the future uh maybe we we'll go to uh, nicola first before we move on to the next one yeah so it's, it's an interesting question if we were co-located so most of the people were in uh, Amsterdam or at least in the Netherlands, so in one time zone. But with time, this changed. Uh, so we had also people in, uh, like, you know, different time zone, plus or minus seven, which is uh, indeed a problem for, for you know, for their their uh, uh, work lives, especially if they are the minority. So as a manager, you have the problem, like, how do you make, first of all, uh, sure that they are few connected and that they feel engaged, uh, obviously. Uh, but the second thing is, uh, you know, if some decision have to be taken together, you know, how do you uh, convince them or how, how do you arrange uh, life in such a way that they can contribute when they need to contribute? Uh, and yeah, it's sometimes it's no going around that, that they have to be present or uh, awake in these uh, hours. But often uh, we found out at least that with some, you know, over-explaining, uh, as Matteo mentioned, over-explaining, really like documenting what is wanted, when is it wanted, what is exactly expected of you, uh, and you documenting all step along the way, we found that we can actually make life easier for a lot of people. Uh, so it, it's a mixture of both. I really think sometimes you cannot just escape having to talk to the other person in real life. But, you know, uh, I would say it's for far less percent than we initially thought. So that's that's what our observation is. Much less uh, need to travel, much more like let's do the legwork to make sure that everybody knows what they should be doing at the moment when they should be doing. Does anyone else have a, have a comment on that on the panel? Yeah, so I, I think working from home in general is, is more, I was going to say effective, but I, I probably do mean efficient. I don't know whether it's more effective, but it's definitely more efficient. So with the, the, the workload that you used to have, you can now deal with that in less time. But then the danger is that you're going to accept more work uh, in order to have like the, well, work the hours that we, you're used to but then I still travel on top of it. So now, I mean, the travel is gone, uh, so that's good. But it's also when, uh, so I have an office here downstairs in my house. But, and so when I walk down in the morning from my uh, bathroom or bedroom, then immediately work starts. And uh, that's, so there's nothing to, if you drive into the office, you also have some time just to enjoy the scenery or think about different things, sort of get into the work mode. And when you arrive at the office, and the same applies when you drive back again at the end of the day. So that's, yeah, it's, it's all sort of interacts uh, with each other. And um, yeah, it takes some getting used to. Um, 
and especially in the beginning of the pandemic, after a working week, I felt so much more tired than, than before, basically. So yeah, it, it does do something. I think in the interest of time, we'll move on to the next question, actually, if that's okay. So um, and that's, that's the Matteo first, which is, um, so um, obviously different companies are going to have had different experiences. Um, you know, some companies have well-defined policies already for pre-pandemic for working from home, for example, or remote working. And there are others that are playing catch-up. What, why do you think that is? What's the difference between those sorts of organizations? Yeah, so in my opinion, this is very much related to uh, several aspects. One, it can be, for instance, regulation of the country where the company is based. Perhaps they need to comply to a certain regulation uh, within, a, within a given country. So this is something that we need to take into account. This is as well an opportunity for companies that were already exploring a hybrid model to accelerate to go in that direction. So I think that companies that were already thinking about going on remote took this as an opportunity to try it out and see how it's going, how it's going on and how well it is working. And it is as well, I think, for other companies, an opportunity to attract talent. So for instance, you know, if I am a startup, uh, I probably need to have distributed workforce across uh, let's say, EMEA, the EMEA region. Uh, perhaps it makes more sense for me to have access to a larger pool, pool of talent by defining a remote work policy and by going remote first and seeing how it's working instead of focusing on having an office with all the perks that you might have, you might have and so on. And this is related as well, in my opinion, to costs, like the cost of creating an office, uh, building it up, uh, all the different setup for each employees, uh, potentially the kitchen and, you know, the cafeteria providing food and all the other perks that companies are providing. This is costing quite a lot. If you would like to be competitive, but at the same time, you don't have such a strong economical power behind yourself, perhaps you want to focus more on the people part and you accelerate your uh, you know, definition of remote work policy versus companies that are more solid and can you know, uh, take a little bit more time on that regard. That's how, how I see it, at least. Very interesting. What about you, Pavel? Well, maybe to build up uh, on what Matteo has just said, I will cover the opposite side of the story, why I think some companies are not doing this, because I fully agree with your arguments, uh, exactly like uh, you said. I believe that for a lot of companies, this is something scary and completely new. Through the years and years, we get used to work in the office. So all the management and leadership, they know how to deal with this situation. They know how to build companies, how to run companies, how to control people, if I might describe it like this. And certainly in engineering, it's been the, the case. And now suddenly this is scary, unknown, and a lot of people just don't understand why do they have to do it like this? It's just... Why? You you can continue doing uh, things the way you, you're doing. There are, of course, obvious uh, or not so obvious benefits of co-locating people. Some say that uh, teams are more creative and they can create better solutions if they communicate together. I think uh, uh, Steve Jobs from Apple was famous saying this, uh, what a cool moments and creating them. And this, I think, is all true. Maybe it is a bit exaggerated, but I believe it is harder for a lot of companies and for their culture to create uh, the same or better setup with remote work than uh, to do it uh, with the office environment they get used to. Cool, thank you. Um, Marcel? Uh, yeah, so I think, I think here in the Netherlands we are blessed with a very good internet infrastructure. So um, it's, yeah, it's, quite, it's quite easy to flip to uh, remote working and working from home. Uh, and yeah, we, we, we got used to it fairly, yeah, I, I won't say easy maybe, but um, uh, it, yeah, the, the change wasn't as big because 
So uh, our work used to uh, combine uh, a way of remote working and office work uh, already before the pandemic hit us. That wasn't too big. I think it's only after a couple of months when you haven't worked physically together with other people in teams uh, that you, you start missing out on stuff. Um, I'm also convinced that we don't really know yet what the price of that is, be, is going to be because we still need to discover that, I guess, when we meet up again and then um, see what we've missed. But the, yeah, the, the switch itself wasn't too hard. I think I'll sort of make, I guess, interject and make two observations. The, the first one I think is related to this thing around that like William Gibson famously said, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. I think there's a part of that going on with people's experiences during of working from home. And I know some of my colleagues have vastly different experiences to me working from home than I do. I'm sitting in my nice little office at the bottom of the garden, you know, with my nice multi-monitor setup. Then I've got colleagues who are just starting their careers who are sitting, you know, on their bed or were originally, initially, not anymore, we've provided stuff for them, but, you know, people sitting on their bed for 12 hours a day, you know, and then going to sleep in it. It's very, very different depending, I think, on where you are in your career and also, I guess, where you are in the world as well. I guess that's the first um, the first observation. And then the, the second one was around um, this idea of, you know, offices and, you know, when you have an office, it's, got a, it's, it's going to have a ping pong table, right? Because every tech office has a ping pong table. Every tech office provides, uh, you know, snacks and food and all that, all those little benefits that you sort of, you, you tend to get. And I wonder what's, what it's going to do to corporate culture when you take all that stuff away. Like that's, you know, what are the things that, that people are going to decide to join organizations for in the future? You know, if it's, because it, it's, it, it's, it's not going to be for the, for the, for the nice office space, potentially. It's not going to be for those sorts of, perks right because it's a baseline and the baseline's gone you know if everyone's working from home what are the new perks what are the new things that that, that are going to delight people if you like um anyway it's just a, a couple of observations nicola do you have um anything to, to, to add to that well i'll start a bit much like what is important for for uh, me might be slightly differently uh for for some team member for example for me the uh open office was a huge distraction and it was a very very big uh, and very important step for me to Take the best noise cancelling headphones that I could find. Mm -hmm. Really, really changed my quality of life in the office. Uh, and you know, it's also a sign that you have to be in the zone. And if you're in the tech work, I, I mean, if it, it's difference between a manager uh, and also a, a tech tech worker. Uh, the tech worker needs to be in the zone for at least a couple of hours per day in order to feel productive. And you know, manager schedule is like a meeting here, a meeting there, a meeting here, a meeting there. Uh, and I think that also. The, the way that this is two different uh, uh, ways of approaching you know, work and what you're doing at work is also different how you deal with the perks. For me, the ping pong sound uh, during, you know, during lunch or even during sometimes during normal, uh, normal time was a major distraction. So I found that I, had to, I needed to have a focus day uh, or focus days uh, where I have to do some actual work from, from home. With the pandemic, of course, I became much, much more productive. But we see the opposite for, for other people uh, from, from my team or uh, my colleagues, which are communicating in a different style. Uh, for me, not everybody has to be exactly the same, right? And they communicate much more informally. They even talk about uh, work during the ping pong game, for example, or we had football table. So yeah, different people miss it at a different moment. But I think the most important thing at a company, if you just sweep away the perks is that the job is interesting and fulfilling like at the end of the day you just need a job 
It has to be challenging, fulfilling, and you need to know that you're making a difference. And th that's that's always like whether it's remote, whether it's in an office, whether it's in cubicle even, uh, I don't recommend, but probably there are some people that do do that. The most important is that you feel like you're making a change, right? I think that brings us brilliantly on to the next question, actually, which is you know, how do we keep our, our colleagues, our friends that we work with, how do we keep them healthy mentally? How do we keep them happy? How do we make sure that they're still, you know, um, st still still want to be a part of our of our teams? What's the um, any any sort of any thoughts on that? I guess we'll start with you, Pavel, maybe. Yeah, so I'm still trying to get good answers to to these questions. Well, I don't think there is one size fits all here, unfortunately, and there is no handbook. You do this, this, and suddenly all your engineers are mentally healthy. Some of the things uh, that I'm working on right now and doing. Um, well, helping everyone to get a proper workplace at home. Not everyone can have it. Uh, I understand it's tricky. What we did is we helped deliver monitors, tables, chairs. Again, it doesn't apply to everyone, but at least if you have a place to, to do it, here is your proper workplace. In the first month, a lot of people were working from their couches. Obviously, you cannot sustain that. One of another thing is, of course, a lack of this relationship and seeing and feeling other people. And we try to replace, how to call it in English, uh, the Friday oral. Uh, yeah, uh, the drinks. Yeah, yeah, drinks. But it's not really working outside of smaller groups. Uh, or, or on the normal drinks, you can go and chat one to one with everyone. On the big group, five six people, you are most of the time listening to whoever is talking. So here, I, I don't have a solution here how to to actually replace that by to to do it in a smaller group. Uh, somebody mentioned today flexible working schedule, and this also helps a lot, especially for uh, parents who have children and. Uh, the time when they needed to, to be schooled at home. I also promote for people to take a day off, a sick day when they feel well, a bit overwhelmed or too pushed and they feel like uh, they are a bit over the edge just to take it. No questions asked. Everyone needs it from time to time. And especially when you work from home, when you have your partner, your children, your dogs and cats all over your head. And uh, facilitate feedback so i try to get for people what they think and this is extremely hard for me because having started remotely and not having really personal kind of connections with everyone and i'm still trying to find out how, what is the best way of doing this remotely with people how to facilitate and promote this rendered uh, open uh, feedback to you to each other but also to or a bit more open detail when things are not go, going well and we need to to improve something so if any of you have uh, better ideas please tell me well i guess we'll ask, uh, ask marcel next <laughs> do you have any ideas on this? well i mean i think that the obvious thing is to acknowledge that it's there and at least talk about it and address it so between all the, so the, the friday afternoon drinks for instance pavel the interesting uh, alternative to do is like to run a pub quiz, uh, for instance, and make people or divide people in smaller teams. Or what I also did once is an online escape room. So it keeps it a bit more, um, a bit more challenging, a bit more fun and energetic because just uh, yes, sitting down to drink in front of you and, and trying to have some small chat with you. It just doesn't work. So uh, I think we need to come up with um, different alternatives uh, to keep it um, energized as well. How do you do that at booking, Matteo? So for us, uh, uh, of course, I'm talking about my experience now, but for us what worked well was, again, the culture that we established. So, you know, a culture that has been very bottom-up and people-centric. So, you know, uh, from day one, I wanted to hear concerns from, uh, from anyone 
in my organization to understand what we should have done or myself or their direct manager and so on. So that, uh, that helped uh, us quite a lot. Uh, another thing that I agree with Pavel is, uh, is uh, the fact, you know, uh, that we need to make sure that people understand they should take time for themselves if it is required. So mental health for us is very important. So we are really encouraging people in the team, like if you feel that you have some, you need time for yourself, just let us know. Take half a day, take one day uh, and that's it. Uh, and, you know, we will we'll readdress, re- regroup and readdress uh, the status later on. Uh, but usually has been working well so far. I agree even with what Nicola said uh, uh, before, which is uh, uh, the type of job that you have. So, you know, working on meaningful project for us, uh, at least we discovered that is keeping people very much engaged. I have been always stressed on the concept of uh, self-discipline, about self-motivating yourself uh, and uh, keeping yourself engaged. At the same time, from a management perspective, I need to make sure that if there is some problem, I am addressing this. A couple of practices that I have implemented were to, you know, every uh, end of the week, uh, I was openly talking about any topic that people wanted to discuss in front of the whole organization. Any topic can be, you know, company confidential information or whatever that can be related to, to someone specifically. That helped quite a lot. And on the other one, we were doing some extra work activity, like dictionary session, or at some point we were doing every week, we were posting pictures of the food that we were cooking in the weekend. So to keep the things a little bit more various so that people can have this uh, feeling with the rest of the group that was not only working related. I think that's a really important point, Matei. You know, how do you avoid the transactionality that comes in when you're just on a, you know, the temptation is to start a Zoom meeting and just dive straight into what you're going to talk about. How do you keep? How do you avoid just doing that and just having just transaction, 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 transaction every day? You know, Nicola, have you got any thoughts on how do we keep our, our people feeling good? I guess it's. Uh, I don't know, not remember who said it, but uh, there was the one size doesn't fit all. Uh, different people have different purposes. As a manager, it's it's up to your guys uh, that if you have managers under you, you need to make sure that they understand what your people are all about. So some people are very task-oriented, you know, result-oriented, and they would uh, actually really require you or, or expect you from you to go to like one, two, three, four, let's let's be done with this. They are not so much for the like any kind of attempts to, to, you know, it can be perceived that somebody is trying to make a socialize. So this is one type of engineer, right? And you should know that these people exist. They're actually very often, from what I've seen, uh, very, very many engineers are like this. And I myself lean on that side a bit. Uh, and then there is, you know, the more social engineers and you need a healthy a healthy mix of those as well. For them, you need to to, uh, to discern that this, they are more social. That you need to discern that they get uh, their... Uh, their best work out of co- communicating, collaborating, uh, collaborating with others, maybe pair programming with them, maybe uh, mix them to participate in group projects rather than, you know, one-off tasks. And then there is, you know, the people that see a bit more of the big picture. These are like, let's say, rebels. You, you need to know that their uh, suggestions are being heard. Sometimes it's a uh, Maybe some suggestion that you can incorporate. Uh, for example, I like the uh, ask me anything uh, that Matteo is doing, you know, like on Friday. Maybe somebody suggested it. Hey, why don't you ask Matteo, like, uncomfortable question about the, the company? And, and that, that might help. So you should make sure that these people are being heard. And then g- generally, you, you should just know what people are about, right? So uh, it's, it's, that's the, the pleasure of, of the job. And that's why not, not a size fits all. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting the, the sort of things that we've been doing. You know, this resonates really with me and the, the, the team in, in, in ThoughtWorks, I think, because things like our leadership team will do Ask Me Anything. Bre- you know, they'll do breakfast drop-ins and this kind of thing where they'll just be available for people to drop in. I mean, I think there is, there is, there is a danger of 
this forced socializing, I think, because some of the feedback I sometimes hear is, well, I've been on, on Zoom for eight hours. Do I really want to, yeah, I like you, but is it, do I like you enough to spend another hour, you know, chatting at the end of the day, which is kind of an interesting thing. I do, I do have a, a question, I suppose, which is a bit more future oriented, which is what does the future hold for us, right? We, we're all in quite different organizations, but we're all sort of very heavily knowledge-based, technical, te- technic- technically focused. What does, what does the sort of week look like next year, say, when the clouds have, have blown over and the blue skies reappeared? Um, I guess maybe, Marshall, what do you see happening in, in your organization in the future? Well, what, what I see happening is that the office is going to be more of a social meeting place, I think. And, uh, of course, there are going to be work areas where you can do some focused work and where you hopefully don't need the, the noise-canceling headphones to, uh, to get to your work and to get your work done. And I, I think... People will definitely stay uh, have the, the the mix of working from home and working in the office is going to change. So people will continue working from home on a structural basis if they didn't do so before. Maybe two days a week, three days a week, whatever suits best. Yeah, therefore the office will be more a social interaction. Nicola, maybe back to you on on, on that. Is, is, does that resonate with you? So personally, uh, for me, definitely, uh, I was uh, utilizing as much as I could uh, from my position, the remote, even before the pandemic. And then in the beginning, it was like a godsend to me, you know, like pandemic, oh, I can focus. Uh, but then I also realized that there are some things that are suffering, you know, the, all the informal communication where you could see that something is important for your, for your team. People are not so likely to, to be relaxed during a Zoom call or during the Hangout. So you might not always extract the best information, uh, depending on, on the person. If we're talking about like how I see in the future, I think indeed both options should be available because people want to socialize, people want to also have the, the focus time. And you should probably, in a way, uh, make sure that they know that this is a, that both things are optional and equal, equally uh, important. You should uh, you give them the trust to self-organize and decide what is the time when we all collectively go to the office and when is the time when you know, me and you just go to the office for an informal chat or maybe just for a walk versus, you know, let's let's have our flexible time and just uh, do some chores at home as well. How about you, Mateo? It's a great question, you know. So for me, if I look at how I would like to see the next step uh, industry-wise, I would like to have a working model which is a little bit hybrid, putting working space that are like working space, similar to what we have, let's say, today and will work. And at the same time, we keep the flexibility about remote working. I think... Uh, that one of the things that people are missing the most at the moment is the social interaction. I think as well that remote work at the moment is working pretty well, at least for us, because uh, everybody is remote. So, you know, I've been in the past uh, in previous company when I, where I was the only remote, let's say, uh, compared to the rest of the team. And that was a quite disadvantageous situation. So, you know, going back to the office and having like four-fifth of the team in the office and one person offline regularly, even if it's not the same person, can affect productivity. I don't have data point to say it will, but there are chances. So I would like to see a future which is a little bit hybrid on working space and remote work. Industry-wise, I would like to keep seeing events, for instance, like this one that are happening fully fully on remote. This is because, you know, usually conferences and events like this uh, are bringing people together. At the same time, I've noticed by attending many uh, virtual events that people are more open to ask questions when uh, you are on remote. There is uh, a lot of more higher participation from uh, from the audience. Uh, you cut costs on the, on the venue, you cut costs on the food, you reduce waste uh, in general. 
So this is something that I personally like, and I would like to see the industry moving on on that. And I think there are good chances that uh, we'll keep evolving. Great observation. Pavel, have you got any thoughts on this as well? Well, let's see if I can add anything to what has been said already. Uh, great points. Maybe a bit about meetups. I agree with you, Matteo. And this is indeed uh, well, new, new, new experience. I just had uh, recently a couple of discussions with people who say, well, we miss old school meetups with uh, people on the floor, with beers, with pizzas. Because yeah. this is essentially, it's easier to learn virtually and ask questions, but it's much harder to socialize and to get to know your peers. And this also made me thinking that actually I'm so looking forward to get back to, well, normal life. I don't think it will be normal like it used to be before, at least 100%. But to get these experiences where you can get to know people, it's almost impossible to do it remotely. But then if I go to to the office, uh, I'm not sure how the offices will look like. And I think everyone is now trying to find what is this right magic formula that will work for everyone because then, well, you can earn a lot of money. I think that different companies will go different ways and most companies will do something hybrid with the problems that were already de- described here. How do you keep this one person who is away to be included in the team and not excluded? And I don't have a solution here, unfortunately. I would love to have, but I don't. I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I, what I've written down here is, is, is it feels like we're talking about being very much more balanced around you know both in terms of things like environmentally so environmentally balanced we're not traveling so much so we're but maybe choosing the things that we're going to much more deliberately and not sort of just by default getting on a plane similarly not by default going into the office i mentioned at the start of this this idea of cultural and intellectual debt that we're building another way i think of looking at that is the productivity gains that, that that we've sort of got at the moment in a sense we're stealing productivity from the future because there's a, there's a whole generation of younger engineers, yet less experienced people in the industry. You know, and if I look back on my career, I relied on you know on those conversations and just overhearing my tech lead talking about something and joining. Oh, it's, oh, maybe I'll go and listen to that. All those sorts of things, you know, which aren't happening. You know, that's that's I, I do think that's that's quite you know honestly, you know, it's it's an existential problem for for knowledge work if if we're not bringing you know the younger engineers on the same journey that we had. You know, so I'm fascinated to how it's how it's going to turn out. But we do have some questions in the chat. So um, the first one is around, I guess, a, a technical solution to some of these things, which is, you know, is anyone anyone here or the, uh, the companies we work for considering virtual reality or extended reality um, as a solution to, to bring people together? Just open question. So we didn't explore this uh, in, during remote times. At the same time, when I was uh, in Tokyo, we organized a full uh, organization outing around virtual reality. And that was amazing. It was uh, absolutely amazing. So I think this is a good suggestion that is coming from the audience for myself to look at this <laughs> to the video and for, uh, for the team here. I, mean, I was lucky enough to speak at the, uh, I can't pronounce the name of the conference, I'm afraid. It was the go-to, the online go-to conference that happened a little while ago in February. Gotopia, there you go, just just about get out. And they, they sort of partnered with a company in London, I think they're called Codenode. And they had like a virtual office space. Um, which you could sort of appear in as an avatar. It wasn't, you weren't in VR, but I can imagine that as the next step and actually being in those spaces, being it, making it halfway between, if you like, you know, the face-to-face conference and and just listening to 
to people um, lecture you <laughs> in, in essence. Anyone else got any, any thoughts about VR? I can say quickly maybe that I think, uh, well, I would love to use VR to organize uh, remote work. I don't feel that this is something that can go mass scale production and already usable for all the companies. It can be something that you, you can use for a party, for maybe one meeting, but I, I doubt this is the solution that can work for daily remote work for, for teams, unfortunately, because I would love to have it. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. It's like similar to that, you know, the, 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 the single system problem we see, right? As consult, I see as a consultant quite a lot where um, you, you, you've only got one of this really expensive bit of kit, so you can't do any testing on it because you've only got one instance of it. It's a bit like that, isn't it? You should maybe favor more cheaper bits, bits of kit rather than um, if you can't scale the thing to everyone, then maybe it's not going to be a workable solution. So I guess, I guess I've got another one here, which is what is one thing that you adopted during COVID that you plan to continue doing in a post-COVID work environment? Let's travel. And uh, if you do need to travel now, at least here in the Netherlands, there's no traffic jams. Uh, that's great. One extra thing that I adopted is a bit more critical uh, looking into technical writing because it seems to be the skill uh, if I if I were to choose a skill that I would like to improve a lot on, uh, and also a lot of my colleagues on, that's technical writing, because it gives so much benefits, especially uh, like it synergizes so well with uh, a remote uh, offboarding, it synergizes so well with you know different time zones with uh, flexible schedules. If you can do the te- if you can nail the technical writing and your spec writing very well, then you know people can really consume uh, what you have written uh, in, in their own pace, in the, with their own understanding on it, they can uh, improve it. And then you are creating a legacy for the company because nothing beats an informal conversation. Yeah, we draw it on the board, wipe the board. Everybody who was present knows uh, what you're talking about. What about the next engineer? What about who wasn't present here? Uh, what about somebody had a paternity leave or a maternity leave? It's uh, the technical writing is the, the hidden uh, thing that I think uh, we were not paying enough attention to, and I think we're going to pay more and more attention to in the future. I guess I've got two two observations or two things that I've found interesting. The first one is it's on that technical writing side of things, and I think you mentioned at the start actually you used the word asynchronous, and I think that's a really interesting like difference in you know it, it's not remote first, it's asynchronous first. You know, you're not requiring people to just immediately answer you but you are requiring people to document what they're doing and this kind of stuff it's so so people can work in a much more asynchronous manner between each other i think that's really a fascinating thing that started to happen and we had it on our radar i think last last time around or two two radars ago where we talked about asynchronous first you know because i I think we pointed out at the time you know we weren't working from home we were working at home during a global pandemic, right? And there's a there's a difference between those two things, you know. And then the, the second thing, which has been interesting for, from from a like a, an engineering perspective, is it's easier to do some things. So mob programming, for example, much easier to do mobbing when you're remote, you know, because people can just sort of drop in and suddenly you can have like ten people, the whole team, you know, following one person writing code. If you're getting something going or you know starting off of, off, off a new feature or something like that, so there are some techniques that. I think we've really started to see more value from remote and probably will carry on, I think, certainly for, for the teams I've been spending time with. Does anyone else have, have any ideas? 
No, I agree with what you said, guys. And for us as well, it's very much about uh, asynchronous, uh, asynchronous communication, asynchronous feedback, which led us to reduce the amount of meeting and to increase the efficiency of meetings too. This is something that uh, we have seen clearly this year. We want to keep going in that direction. And then, as I said before, for us, I think this uh, close of the week moment where everybody in the organization can really come and speak up about anything in front of everybody and ask me any type of question is something that we didn't have before, so at least not so explicit. I think it has been working well. I just realized there's another thing that I've personally been experimenting with for meetings, which is the sort of Amazon-style memo writing. So rather than sort of turn up in a meeting and then have an agenda and an open discussion, trying to be much more deliberate about writing, you know, our, my expectations of what we want to talk about or, you know, my the thing I want to discuss in long form, sending it on ahead of time so that people can read it and you don't lose all that time, you know, to sort of trying to digest new ideas and ask questions. Um, that's, that's been another thing we've, we've, I found quite successful. That's also maybe changed. So before, like the default meeting used to be an hour and now it's half an hour, I think. Uh, I mean, that's what I use. Maybe you have to be more prepared as well if you want to cover the same the amount of content. I think we've got just about enough time for another question. So did we see any innovations in recruitment during this time? So innovation, I wouldn't say innovation, because what is innovation? I would say we definitely try to improve our game in recruitment, so it's it's more like an upgrade. We are working, first of all, uh, a bit of context, we are working, uh, we have our own recruiters, so we are not working with recruiter agencies, so we have dedicated recruiters. Before, it was very, again, often the case that when you are looking for a position, you schedule some time with a recruiter, and then you explain exactly what you're looking for, what seniority. Nowadays, we are tending to write these ones down and to standardize the more we can in order to both improve, you know, the percentage of candidates that go through the first interview, that is, uh, you know, the phone interview, in order to get better candidates for the for the next step. So it's all, I wouldn't call it innovation, but uh, I would call it maybe slight improvements based on just writing it down and trying to formalize it before uh, actually starting to recruit, which works out very well for us. So more streamlining then. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we'll, we'll sort of stop stop with the questions and, and answers there. Thank you so much for, for joining. I guess what's been really clear to me or what's been interesting for me is that we've all been dealing with things in, a, in, in very similar ways, actually. The, our experiences are very similar in, across different organizations. The things that we worry about are, are, you know, for our people are, are very similar as well. So that's been really, really interesting to hear. So thank you very much, Marcel, Nicola, Pavel, and Matteo. And I guess I'll hand it over now to uh, Lamy to wrap up. Thanks, James. I'd just like to take a moment to say thank you to all of our panelists for joining us today. Last but not least, a big thank you to James for his great moderation. We do hope to see you again at a future event of ours. Thank you all once again. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.